0: From a football standpoint, they closest they got to it was when Chase McSworley was running around and they were bombing to those receivers that they had that one year. And I think they did beat. Maybe maybe they didn't beat Michigan, but maybe they were they were Rose Bowl team that year. They maybe only lost yeah. one time. They almost made the playoff. Um, but yeah, that is a great call from a football standpoint from a just general branding standpoint. Might I suggest changing those boring ass jerseys that you guys love so much. <laughs> I know they love them. I know their tradition. But when you think about what the tradition and who is the most tied person to said tradition, maybe you want to get the hell away from that tradition and start a whole new one. And maybe that's not the worst idea in the world. So you could keep the color scheme, but might I suggest updating those terrible nameless jerseys? And maybe they have names on the back of them now, but just change them. Just this is jerseys. all
1: free, y'all. Fresh jerseys in the triple option. Just adopt it. Welcome <laughs> just... to ten wins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just try it. <laughs> Five, Untitled College Football Podcast. Uh, we're gonna start now, now. Now, now, there you go. Start as we always do with the yeah. riff. With the riff. Um, welcome back, week five in the books. Um, gonna start because there's no. I, I want to start with the somewhat serious topic. Rare. Uh, That college football, like that, that's where I want to start. And obviously, um, yeah, these are all based off of reports that I've read. There are a lot of reports out there. Um, I've read most of the reports on the athletic, a couple of feature reports. Um, and then obviously there's some links in those reports to original reporting from, you know, local Michigan papers. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted to I'm talk about to a big one. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the Mel USA today who, um you know, ha, has continued to report on things, Michigan, like there, they might as well be beat writers for Michigan state at this point for like these types of matters. Um, sadly, but, I wanted to talk about, because we do a college football podcast, and I want 99% of it to be about all the fun and amazing games and the wacky stuff that happens, but this Mel Tucker thing, I just find really interesting, and there's a couple of lenses through which I wanted to talk about it, so to be as journalistically responsible as possible, uh, Mel Tucker has been informed by the University of Michigan State that he is to be fired for breach of contract and cause. And that cause is just an important part that I want to talk about because that's really what the whole discussions that people are having about his job right now are about. It's about the way in which he is being dismissed and who stands on what ground to legally claim or not claim money. That's what this is sadly going to boil down to. But he was... Informed by Michigan State, they were firing him for cause and breach of contract. The ethical breach that they are citing was the relationship uh, that he has uh, admitted to uh, having a a relationship that they deem inappropriate with a a woman who, you know, you can go and look up her name. I'm going to respectfully, even though her name has to be out there, she said that she's only put it out there once the U.S.A. Today report was going to run, uh, but she informed the university and wanted to remain anonymous. And she was previously, uh. you know, she is a, a survivor of sexual assault. And so, like, just the cruel irony of this whole thing here, like a, a woman being a survivor being at the center of this again. So I'm just going to choose to not, you know, to, to leave her name as redacted. But of course, everyone could go look it up. Um, He admitted to having, yeah, phone sex and inappropriate uh and a relation or a sexual relationship with a woman who was a vendor, otherwise a, a employee of the university.
1: Of note, a vendor also to talk about her sexual assault experience, Correct. not just a vendor who happened to be a sexual assault victim who was managing concessions. Like she was... Her experience is why she was at the school in the first place.
0: Yes, that's an important distinction. So, thank you for adding that. Like, not not only the the reason why I said that she is a survivor, correct, is because she is a survivor who, as her job, is an advocate and goes to schools and speaks on um, awareness of this and prevention of this. So that part of it is important. Um, Mel Tucker has admitted that he did it but he he said that it was consensual and that nothing wrong or out of the box happened and that he shouldn't this isn't grounds for firing and that this is about something else and there's more at stake here and so he he his stance that's his stance that's I'm just going to lay it out because what I'm going to say is go on the complete other side and just say you the cause in this case could just be you being stupid like we don't even have to talk about the ethical breach of it or the code breach or the morality or the legality, uh, that they're going to get into, uh, just it, what you did is it's dumb. It's just like, oh, it's, judgment. it's, it's yeah. so dumb. And so his defense as I'm reading it is you can't fire me for being dumb. Or if you do, that's not cause and you have to give me my money. And the university is again citing the ethical breach. There is, a, you know, contractual language that speaks on a ethical uh, or moral stance clause, which a lot of these coaches and a lot of a lot of businesses and a lot of you know contracts, uh, contractual workers will have this. And so when they are having this hearing, and if it goes to you know to trial and and to court, and there is any discovery, um, it's going to be over. The, the the burden of proof of ethical versus uh you know a, a consensual relationship which i guess is what he's going to argue so the the muck of that is something that i don't really want to get into but i just did want to point out a that this is all about what you're seeing now is you know fired for cause means you don't get your money uh being fired for anything other than cause means okay but you still have to give me what I believe the remaining amount is like $70 million because he signed a 10-year, a 90-something million dollar uh, buyout. So we'll see how the legal side plays out. And that's about the money. What I wanted to talk to you about was the ramifications that this has, unfortunately, we know disproportionately on other coaches of color other black coaches other black and brown coaches because
1: yeah
0: on the whole uh the black coaches are held to because there are fewer and and for for a whole bunch of systemic reasons throughout the history of you know the game uh they're just more representative of the totality of us than you know the the typical white coach who is treated on a case-by-case basis and is not an indictment For, you know, white coaches from California or for, you know, white coaches under 40, it's they get treated kind of more on an individual basis where when there are so few of us coaching in these positions, each one can be used as an indictment, you know, against hiring another one, whether right or wrong, it's obviously wrong, but we know that's kind of the reality.
1: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate and it shouldn't be. And it gives some some color to this, to what you're saying. When Nick Saban or in this weekend, even Darren Dilfer, or Mark D'Antonio, when they go off on the sidelines on somebody, the narrative, is, the narrative is never these white coaches have anger management problems. Right. What are you gonna do about white coaches and the way that the conduct was on the sidelines? It's always relegated to these individual people but like you said because it's so few of us and also because we can't control which black coaches are propped up um, they unfairly, we unfairly represented representative of all of us and we'll know I think societally but even in college football when we reach equity when a black college coach can just be mediocre and do yeah. the job. Yes, we should yeah. be allowed to not always have to be excellent all the time to do the job.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, we we I think I think that's that's something that we say, I guess, in our circles, or we kind of know in terms of the excellence level. I, I think this is something you and I have said for years. It was the NFL, but you know, you can find the college equivalent. Mm-hmm. Find find the black Jeff Fisher
1: mm-hmm. who gets mm-hmm. to go
0: eight and eight for 12 years in a row. Uh, you know, live off of the fact that he went to the Super Bowl that one time and and just keep a job, you know, no knock and disrespect to Jeff Fisher, but just you know I that I I I want what Jeff Fisher gets, which is the security mm-hmm. and the ability to fail and still get another shot. I would like that for, you know, Lovey Smith. Again, NFL comp. Uh, There's just... Sadly, there are fewer college black coaches, so... But Kevin Sumlin is is a guy who I always say, for him to have to go from Texas A&M, the height of Texas A&M, they've never been a better college football program than the height of what he was doing there, to have to go from there to Arizona because there was a, there was a time and I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole but I remember Mike Selman at that height was like NFL jobs he could have he went to the NFL he could have had another college offer Um, but he stayed at a and a couple of not amazing seasons they weren't awful but a couple of not amazing seasons meant he had to get fired and go work at Arizona and then it didn't work there and I you know now I don't even remember where he is but that would be an example of, you know, how, why is the, the bar so high for him? And, you know, any day now, we're going to see Al Golden, who's D coordinator at Notre Dame, keep, who failed miserably, he's going to get a chance to work his way and get mentioned for In some Miami, of these big jobs. And yeah, and Miami. Yeah. 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 But he's back now at D coordinator. And I just know like when some of these jobs open up, if Notre Dame is having a good season, people see Al Golden's, the D coordinator, even though he's made some horrible decisions, but whatever Uh, they're, they're going to, uh, you know, that's, but that's what you mean in terms of the equality of like, it, it starts from, we don't even get the same pipeline opportunities. So from there, it's already disproportionately tilted. Um. But yeah.
1: too, because it's the opportunity, but it's also the type of opportunity. Correct. So we also frequently see with black coaches is we're given these turnaround impossible jobs. Yeah. In the NFL, for example, you rarely see black coaches inheriting a situation where you have a young franchise builder at quarterback with maybe, maybe D'Amico Ryan's being the exception this year but you rarely see them having strong infrastructure, getting paid what they need to pay and be set up for success. We're largely placed in to be able to turn around cultures, change environments for the next coach. But then the stink of the rebuild is not on your record, which then stops you from getting the next job. And so we'll also we made progress where we see uh, an AD a head coach working at a, at a uh, power five blue chip program wanting to hire a black coach in a good situation. And now yeah. where it's just a straight up rebuild all the time, which we oftentimes have to do.
0: Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. And I I, I think I just wanted to touch on it from, you know, the Mel Tucker being an example of somebody who was given one of those, you know, they're not maybe blue chip, but a really, really good opportunity. Michigan state, in terms of the money that they get, the support they get, the recruitment opportunities, like Michigan state has been a top 25 team very often over the last 10 years. So uh that was an opportunity and um you know Mel Tucker squandered it for reasons not football. Uh got yeah you know, was had, had a really good season was awarded with a big long lucrative contract and yeah. just made a dumb decision and so what I just don't want to see is that have any type of domino or trickle down effect. Um, And just to end on this, like, you know, Mike, you know, Michael Oxley at Maryland, we'll talk about Maryland. Um, That is a type of name who you've seen him go multiple places now, build up programs uh, when a power five or one of these blue chip opportunities opens up at the end of the year. You know, he's the type of name, unless he loves what's going on in Maryland, and and look, Maryland's it's popping right now. But that's the type of name where, you know, you want to see more of those coaches getting these opportunities, uh, you know, equal opportunities to, to build and then be rewarded with the programs that will flood you with resources and make it a sustainable thing. Thus, inspiring, hopefully, you know, it shouldn't take this, but inspiring more programs to go. You know, hmm, maybe we should look at at some of these smaller schools or some of these you know, mm-hmm. Black and Brown candidates who have been overlooked or have been doing it for a long time who just needed the opportunity. So I, I wanted to touch on the Mel Tucker thing, but kind of use that to have that overall uh, conversation before we got. Character
1: matters, bro. If it if it, it matters, does. if it matters for him, and matters for everybody. I'm not saying that he deserves a second chance or second job. But if he doesn't, then should Bobby Petrino should start. like Correct. a lot of these other coaches who aren't black get second and third and fourth and fifth chances. So again, not that he deserves it necessarily, but what is the standard and how can we apply it broadly to make sure that it's fair for everybody involved?
0: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Um, all right, to the to the football. Let's get to the to the good stuff. Um off top thoughts before we get into our weekly uh weekly weekly benchmarks here off top thoughts uh i think this is the first week where we're gonna lead off and have an actual conversation about the number one team in the country finally good and that is Georgia it's been a long time but it to in fairness it was their schedule they played <clears throat> UT Martin ball state so at, at no point were we gonna talk about that uh, they, they, you know, the South Carolina game was meh, but they held a dangerous or potentially dangerous offense of fourteen points. UAB, we saw moments there that we wanted to, you know, we we where we said, "Is it time?" And I just said, "Not, nah, not yet. Let's wait because they're going to Auburn." And then they went to Auburn. Um, now they got the win. I'm gonna let you start because I think we might have varying opinions on this Georgia team, but I just want to know now that we've kind of seen, we have a five-week sample size. Uh, Granted, some of those teams, like I said, are what they are, but we have a five-week sample size. We've seen a tough road test, Uh, maybe the second toughest one they're getting all year. So, not maybe, it is. So, I just want to hear where are you at with with Georgia?
1: Yeah, so Georgia is obviously – They're five and zero. They're also the two-time defending national champs, so they do deserve some respect and some of the benefit of the doubt. Now, at this point, Georgia is five and zero. Four of those games being at home, and I think five games is enough to know when something is a trend.
0: Georgia's
1: sleepy, slow starts, where they decide to not play until midway through the third quarter. Is now a trend and is an issue. And despite them being 5 and 0 and having historical success to build upon and speak to, their best win is 10 points against South Carolina at home. And when you look at their resume, start up with some other teams that are undefeated and have some signature wins, they have a hard time keeping Georgia at number one, especially because of who they've been playing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think all that's fair. The only place I might give pushback is I would say their best win was on the road at Auburn just because it a, a road win against, you know, I don't know how much the difference between Auburn and South Carolina is, but I do think going on the road, especially at Auburn, it's damn near 100,000 people. Um, I think that is probably a tougher win. But I largely agree with everything else you have said. However, here's where I think we'll probably vary or or differ. So I my concern with Georgia, sleepy starts aside, because I do think some of that is whether this is not excuse making, but I do think some of that is a malaise of a two or three year run, and not all the people are on the team. But when you enter a program that is you know, you're hopping on this moving train of undefeated and we're winning the championship mm-hmm. every year so even if you haven't been there for all three years when you hop on board of that when you join that culture there it's impossible you're not getting up for ut martin or uab or even a south you know south carolina sure but uh, it it's just to summon the amount of intensity and hype for every opponent equally for this sustained amount of run and excellence, not possible. That combined with they are a worse team specific on both sides of the ball. But defensively, I saw a couple things against Auburn that you haven't seen from this Georgia defense in the last two years, and it's not scheme at all so much as actual people on the field. I saw a defense that is struggling to set the edge on in the run game, which... None of the, you know, the last two Georgia teams, which are basically the, the Eagles defensive line, uh, the best defensive line of football. They there was no the edge is set. And also we have penetrated the A and B gap on both sides. And your whole run place is destroyed from the snap. That was what the last two kind of defenses were on, on run. And then if you were going to beat them, you had to beat them one on one. Deep or you know, outside the numbers in the past game against really good defensive backs. Uh this year they're not setting the edge on the run. So teams are kind of you know, stretch runs, outside powers, they're getting them. And that is causing go ahead
1: and start slow against Kentucky. Go ahead and not set so just... the edge against Kentucky. Well, we saw what they a... did this past Here, week.
0: Here's the thing. Cause that's what I, I'm I'm looking, I got their schedule up. So I'm just I'm just throwing out what I'm seeing that is is the first part that i'm seeing and not that that can't be fixed but the second that's tougher to fix if you're we just talking about guys. Kentucky's offensive line is really good. I'm excited about talking about that matchup. But the only thing i'm seeing because of that is secondary having to come up faster to make tackles in the run game and i counted like 5 or 6 what the hell angle was that plays against Auburn from Georgia's secondary just taking awful angles from from corners and, and, and safeties? Because now you're part of the run game when your defensive line isn't setting the edge. Because the not to get two X's and OE, the offensive line's getting up to the, to the running to the linebackers now. Now your secondary needs to make tackles. They don't look like they could do that. So, if yes, if Kentucky can do that, that would be the, that's the matchup right there in terms of what to look for. But I do think, and offensively, they are worse because they have less people to throw to. If Brock Bowers isn't, yeah, you know, he's not a Heisman candidate because there's just too many, but he needs to win the something award. I guess he's a tight end. Listen, so the, man, the just, y'all just – but he's the all only triple guy. Triple
1: team, Brock Bowers. That's all, that's all you need to do on, on defense. You need you, you need your majority Triple DC. triple team, Brock, Brock Bowers. four guys on Brock Bowers. Yeah, the Let's way they d-
0: the way they did with uh, Calvin Johnson, where they put two guys over him, like he was a punt uh, punt kick like a punt specialist, like the two gunners over top of him. Just try two that. Gunners Brock shade a linebacker,
1: shade a safety.
0: Yeah, just try it. Take it away. Um, Take him away. But he, I, I am concerned. I'm more concerned about their offense and their defense, and I'm concerned with the idea that there doesn't seem to be, you know, when Lad McConkey is your second option, it was cool when he was, like, the third and fourth guy. But when they need him to be really, really good all the time, it, it, it's a little concerning. But I will say this. I, I wouldn't move them out of number one. They obviously didn't fall from the polls out of number one. I understand if you're doing power rankings – other teams that you would put ahead of them, like, I'm totally here for that. But for the traditional polls, I understand why they're at 20. Uh, I will say, here t- just from where I sit, Kentucky this week and Ole Miss are their two toughest games. They do have to go to Tennessee. I'm done with Florida. That's kind of it.
1: Yeah, this game is pretty weak. So they have that's the best also, shot to run a table. Up exactly. The top, so I'm six not, or like, seven
0: teams. I think they're going to go undefeated. Like I don't think they're going to lose to Kentucky. I'm not saying they can't. I I just it's a home game that helps. Kentucky has to play. If George loses to
1: Kentucky, they're going Kent- out of my top ten. I'm telling
0: you <laughs> that right now. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky has to lose. I mean, has to play better than they did this week, and they played well. They had to play better than that on the road in, in Georgia. So that, I mean, but that for me, especially when we talk about when I just want to do a power four, I still don't want to use Georgia for one of these damn slots because unless they lose to Kentucky, I'm not sleeping on Missouri. Like I didn't mention them, but to me, it's the offensive Ole Miss. I I just don't think they're going to lose. So I just, I don't think it matters. And if i'm yeah, wrong i'm fair. wrong but that's yeah fair. but i just i'm just looking at them like their schedule you know it helps and that's it's no knock um the sec is not as strong um as it has been in the past even in even in the west uh, i mean the west is is good um but i i guess you know it, it's 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 not a knock but i i'm just not ready we we could talk about them that's what i'm seeing in terms of where they could lose and how they could get beat, but uh, unless they just look really, really bad without losing, the only way I see them losing the number one spot is they just look really bad in a win, like an ugly win against a way inferior team, and uh, Michigan or or Texas, you know, beats the brakes off of Oklahoma or Michigan smacks Penn State, something like something like that along the the path. But Georgia, like you said, their their path to run the table, it's it's right there. It's it's all there for them.
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't actually expect Kentucky to beat Georgia. If it happens, I won't be surprised. But I, I do expect Georgia to to run the table if they play to their potential. Like I said before, the thing that concerns me are the slow starts. Yep. Kentucky typically starts fast. All miss can score 70 if they need if they want to. Um, so if they spot any of these teams 21 points, like they've been doing I think that's going to be a loss Yeah. And so unless I, they fix this Leapy start thing, I think They're going to be, because someone's going to get them. Someone can't get them
0: Yeah, and I think that would be in the playoff though, right? Like on the, I mean, not that, to your point Yes, they can definitely get got before Then, but let's say they get to the Playoff, run the table The, the conversation for Georgia is Can you beat Texas? Can you Beat you know,
1: Any of those Washington,
0: can you beat yeah. Washington? Can you beat hell Notre Dame? Like, do you want to like, like Notre Dame's going to lean, lean on you guys. Like if, if Auburn ran the ball like that, and it helped that they have a, you know, a read option quarterback, again, home game, it benefits Georgia that none of the tough opponents that they're playing or the, or the tougher ones are at home and their road games are against some of the weaker ones. Um, So We'll, we'll get back
1: three and four touchdowns in the first. Yeah. Quarter yeah. Like we, we,
0: we, we know what we'll, we'll get to that. I'm not going to jump ahead, but we, I just wanted to finally talk about Georgia and it's, it's, it's no longer. Yeah. They're to me. They're good. But if they're, if good is just winning the sec or getting to the sec championship and being a playoff team, like that's not where the standard for this now dynasty team is. The standard is yep. championship. And if yep. I'm if we want to have that conversation, it's a little early. But if we wanted to have it, they're not my favorite for that. So that's just mm-hmm. it, it's we we are at that point. But we know how the polls Heave work. Is out. Yeah, we know how the polls work. So it's cool. We'll we'll let the, that play out as it does. Uh, all right, next thought. Jalen Daniels, I, I have my—he's—he's he's afraid of Texas and Oklahoma, <laughs> and he, bro, he doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to play these trend, teams. Bro. I didn't, yeah. So Friday night, they were previewing the game. They showed Jalen Daniels' stats as a starter, weeks one through four, he was like five and one, and weeks five through twelve, he's one and like ten. Like it's bad. And they're like, is this the, you know, they're hyping it up. Is this, you know, the, the, the time Uh, we talked about it last week, I made it my sleeper game. I heard other people talking about it. Like we were all excited, like, all right, Kansas, your, your offense flying high Jalen Daniels, totally healthy, like good to go. We just saw, you know, you beat a good BYU team. Here we go. Texas on the road. Can you do it? And literally it happened in warmups, back tightness, uh, I, I tune into the game because it's the 3:30 window. So I'm coming in off of these other games and I see Bean out there, and I'm like, what happened? Are they going to quarterback? <laughs> is it is it like a trick play off the rip? And and then they put Jalen somewhere else on this on the yeah, opening see, play. Wide, like, I'm what's, like, what's, what's happening? What's the deal? And and they're like, if you're just joining us, Jalen Daniels, back tightness and warm-ups. Uh, came out to warm up. It happened just – I'm like, oh, my God. I, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this. He's afraid of the big schools. He just doesn't want to <laughs> play them. And I'm half joking, but also, like, he missed the Oklahoma You're game better, last German. year. Yeah, get better. But, like, you missed all the big opponents last year and came back for the stretch of not the big opponents. Back tightness against Texas ruined my sleeper pick of the week. I'm just not – I am get better, right, because your team is fun. Uh, and Bean is a really good backup. There are a lot of schools out there who you want Bean to be your starter, but Kansas needs Jalen Daniels, and that that made that game not a game, so get better. Next, uh, Notre Dame, you you said last week we were talking about, uh, I don't remember how, oh, well, the game, school size came up. I did the Google because I was curious. Just take a guess, what do you think their enrollment is? Sixteen? Nine. Really? I was shocked.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So I I just want to say two things about them. One, uh, they're the best business school ever in terms of how they do business according to the size of their yeah. actual school, enrollment, endowment, the NBC individuality, maintaining the FBS, like independence, like in terms of how they move to be able to even be up there with the Alabama, USC, Texas, Michigan's who have enrollments of 50, 60, 70,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's insane. So shout out to you, Notre Dame for that. I know we love to make Notre Dame jokes. Um I do respect them and obviously I'm rooting for Marcus Freeman, but that I, that just blew my mind. So good for them. And the fact that they even appear the way they do on on the radar uh obviously they're the anomaly but there are a lot of schools that should be asking notre dame kind of some things about how to how to monetize when you have a smaller enrollment than the rest of your competition
1: yeah Um, uh
0: enrollment
1: and, and higher admission requirements like some of these other schools like duke
0: yeah they do and even duke dukes around like 18 i think i I started looking up kind of comparable schools after that and they're way down there (laughs) northwestern's kind of small but it's not nine thousand small and also northwestern is not notre dame uh, in terms of any of their athletic um, i don't know maybe they're good at soccer and and, and lacrosse or something but they're not notre dame and the money-making sports um all right weekly dion talk all i wanted to to say like He's not. I, I wonder how many people know. Like, he's not going to stay at Colorado for that long. Like, there is a next step to all of this, and so just it, the Colorado part of it is cool now. Um, you know, his sons are there. Eventually, his sons will not be of college age. Eventually, there will be other opportunities for him. Um, so I, I just we we're kind of you know. For the people who are here for the Dion of it all were Jackson State fans last year, our Colorado fans this year, and wherever he goes, I just wonder how many people realize. Like, you know that we're we're just rolling with that, right? Like if he goes to LSU or if he goes to a pro job or if he go like if he goes to somewhere else, um I just Colorado has made the money that they needed off him, but I'm just if I had a clock. Like
1: and then some, they've, yeah. funded, they've oh, yeah. funded their oh, yeah, yeah. their school for their whole maybe entire, a decade.
0: Their whole entire athletic program is paid for. It. But if I if I had a clock, I would I would hit it now, and you know, I think before three you know two and a half three years from now, Dion somewhere else. And I just, I, we're not at the point to start pond you know wondering where that is. Um. But I want to throw a theory out here super early, so that if you hear it anywhere else, you, I can claim, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone said this anywhere, so I just want to lay claim to it now. You're seeing with every other commercial break, Nick Saban and Dion doing these commercials. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban, kind of, retires eventually, and passes the baton, to Dion.
1: That'd be
0: wild. To take over at Alabama. Because who to get to get a normal person to try and follow Nick Saban in Alabama is gonna go horrible because they're gonna lose two or three games every now and again and people are gonna lose their minds. Um but to get Dion that's a that's that is a personality that can absorb what it is that those expectations would be to follow Nick Saban. So, I thought that man ever had a black head coach. I don't want to say and this and be dead wrong, but I, my initial reaction before we even finish your sentence was to say, Hell no, but I will, no, I uh, think so. I, I'll, I'll Google it at some point. <laughs> but I also feel like that would be a waste of my time. I don't, I really don't think so. Um, there's but, also black coaches and there's the deon sanders which exactly he which
1: deserves a separate category
0: yeah which is why i wonder is he would is he the black coach the only maybe black coach that could i, I don't i don't want to say the stupid transcend race thing that's dumb but is he the only coach who because he's not just a black coach he's Deion sanders can be the one that could be that person and that's just me, again. Their commercials, Nick Saban, impossible to follow. Uh, c- you know, Kind of just making that up. But just a thought.
1: He says he likes molding young men, and I believe him. I think it's very much a part of his identity and part of his yeah. brand also.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: The Dallas Cowboys talks are also really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, if it's like the pro talk, cause that's a whole different, I think that's more interesting conversation, because that's really the one. Like him as cowboy coach is insane. Um, but then that yeah, so that that is the how much of it because I do agree. I really do think that he likes raising these, you know, helping to raise and mold young men. And I do think a large part of like the appeal from my at least from my eyes for him as a coach is that like i do see that i don't think that's fake i don't think that's just recruiting and posturing and i like i do you know in his situation truly believe and know that he does love and care about a lot of these kids so um that that is an interesting conversation but yeah um i also just so we don't get stuck here but i also was writing right in some nfl stuff yesterday and I was trying to speak Shador Sanders to the Atlanta Falcons into existence because Desmond Ritter ain't it. Oh, my goodness. But, um, but we'll, He's not we'll, going to make it past I next wanna, week. Yeah, I don't want to get stuck there. Um, I do What I want to play is a game called Sunbelt versus the World. And what I'm going to do is just pick.
1: And this expansion thing, Sunbelt needs a playoff spot. I'm just saying.
0: Oh, yeah. They should have an automatic bid. They should absolutely have an automatic bid. So what I'm going to do is pull up. All right. Sunbelt East. In the Sunbelt East, you have James Madison, Marshall, Georgia Southern, App State, Georgia State, ODU. At the bottom of the conference right now is a very good Coastal Carolina team. Yes. The West is a little less interesting. Uh, but, te- I mean, Texas State Texas State will put 60 on anybody. I'm convinced of it. I don't care who it is. Um, it, we thought Baylor was not good because of what Texas State did opening week. And I've watched Texas State since, and I've seen Baylor since. Baylor beat a good Central Florida team this week, came back and beat them. Uh, Baylor's not a trash team. Texas State's really, really good at football. Like, really good. Um, so Texas State out west, Arkansas State, Troy, Louisiana, UL Monroe, South Alabama, who their coach is being talked about in the Michigan State uh circles, or one of the names. There's a couple of these Sunbelt school guys, Marshall's coach as well. Uh, Southern Miss at the bottom of the, of the conference. Um, top to bottom, I, what I want to do is guess how many of these teams will be in bowls and then at the end of the year I want to see if that number like how many it actually is I want to just guess how many it's going to be but I want to see if that number because I believe at the end of the season they will have more bids maybe the Pac-12 might be the only other conference but I think they will have more bowl bids than any other conference Um, so let's just go through this real quick JMU certainly
1: no actually and I'm going to hold this I'm going to not do a tangent here, but Jeremy is actually not eligible to go to a bowl.
0: Is that still true? Because of that
1: whole, yeah, because of that whole like jumping up.
0: But I thought, I thought, subdivision? I thought last year that was the case. And I thought this year that they were, I thought no, I'm, well, I'm almost
1: positive. They can't go to a bowl this year. Uh,
0: Well then that, then this game is, uh, I mean, part of it's over. I guess some of these other schools can, Um.
1: But they're the the cream of the crop. Is that, is that true 0.
0: about is that true about Liberty too? Because you know I've also said Liberty is going to go undefeated. Is Liberty, not bowl eligible. They're not Sun Belt. They're um, conf, not conference um, American Conference. But I don't know how long they've been there. They're also not in the American Conference. Where is Liberty?
1: Yeah, I, I I remember in a broadcast this weekend. I'm talking about JMU. And they can't go to bowl. Uh well but they can us. only play, they can only go to a bowl game if there's not enough deserving teams.
0: Uh they're not gonna So go yeah. Otherwise, right. they
1: can't play in a bowl game this year.
0: Well, we're gonna move past the game aspect of this. I mean, there will be a lot of these teams will be bowl eligible. Uh part, but part of why I was excited about it is because JMU is just running the table right now. Uh the best team in Virginia record. I mean, them in Liberty. I Miss coaches with individual style. This is a Biff Pogi ode to Biff Pogi and his sleeveless t shirt. Which I, I just, if people haven't seen it, because they played on the SPNU, they played SMU this week. Uh, ACC's own SMU. If it, it's it's a like a weight, it's a sight to see, it's a weightlifting like shirt, like for like old school, like 80s weightlifters that he has. Cut the sleeves off, uh, so it's not even like a purchase sleeveless. It's clearly he didn't buy it like that. Functioned, yeah. He he functioned it he to be it, sleeveless. He cut it up the to V for the beer. Was like,
1: yeah, <laughs> he, this is it. He cut the <laughs> V right down here. the
0: middle, and he just looks like if you didn't know what was happening, a guy who ran out of the stands of the Charlotte game and is on the field telling the coaches and team what to do, but. I With just a Budweiser in his hand. It's just That's exactly what yeah, like It's Like if you put yeah, if you put a Budweiser in his hand, security would tackle him and be like, "What is that man doing on the field?" Uh, but I miss it. Just made me think like I do miss coaches who had individual style because I feel like everyone kind of just wears the athleisure or the same like pants and the polo. I do like PJ Flex a crazy person, but I do at least like that he has his has his his yeah like he has his shirt and tie. Biff Pogie's going with the sleeveless. Um, the Louisiana Monroe coach was old school, but had the old school button down with the uh sleeves rolled up, a la, like uh you know, the John kind of John Madden esque, kind of a John Madden look to him. So I just I miss, I miss coaches with a little bit of personality. Really much in the NBA, I miss it more because everyone just wears the 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 pullover leisure now, but but Shout-out to coaches who have their own style. Shout-out to you, Biff Pogey, for not caring what anybody thinks. I'm going to coach the team how I'm going to coach the team, damn it. So, shout-out to Charlotte.
1: His mom must not have raised him right.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, folks
1: out here wearing sunglasses and visors on speaking to adults.
0: Yeah. I mean, we all know Dion was going to come in. I just love that Dion was like, I'm in Colorado. I'm going to wear a cowboy hat now. This is what is – what I don't understand why you guys don't understand. Um, so I do I do love coaches just you know, I wish uh you know, Brian Kelly pretended he had an accent for a little bit. I don't know what type of hat would be oh, most please. would be most akin to New Orleans, but I do wish that he would start dressing more like a Louisiana
1: man. he start winning some SEC games That's yeah, what you worried yeah. about. Yeah, I we'll actually get, have the same the we'll same thought, Um as it relates to what they're saying. Um, I I think Dion is a breath of fresh air even Ryan Decker at Notre Dame when I think like so much of what we get now is just like insert coach speak like there's a when I was a principal for report cards I didn't make teachers write their own individual comments I had like a stock comment card that they can copy and paste different comments to kids or poor cards based on like what we commonly see in our students and their behavior in their academics I feel yeah. like coaches are consistently reading off of a Of a standard card and just picking comments about playing hard, reassessing, reevaluating. And we finally have like some expressive emotion with Brian Day, like Deion Sands. I'm like, oh, okay. We finally have coaches willing to just like say the thing. I love it. I love it. That's off script.
0: I'm here for that. that. Yes, I always am here for that. And I I think that maybe coaches like, Love him or hate him, that's always been my reason that Lane Kiffin has been once he got away from my Raiders. Lane Kiffin has been my guy because if you just listen to him, he Lane Kiffin is, you know, he made a little Wayne song for a reason. Lane Kiffin was the first guy I remember who would just openly trash talk the opposing coach. And <laughs> I want I want I want more of that. Uh all right. Let's get to our is for real. How much has really changed for you because the rankings more or less stayed the same i know at one point i did have notre dame in there then they lost to uh ohio state so they bounced back but do you have because i think our teams were the same last week maybe just slightly different order um do you have much change because i'm i don't really i got just for speed's sake, I got Ohio State four still, no change. I got – and I know they didn't – some of these – like, Ohio State didn't play, right? Florida State didn't play. So, certain teams yeah. have buys, so there's no really need for for movement there. So, like, Ohio State, I kept at four. Uh, Florida State, I just moved them to three because they didn't play. Texas, I thought was really impressive, so I just bumped them up to two. Washington, I kept at one. So, I didn't really have – um yeah, I didn't I, I don't know if you had any movement. I think those were our four teams. We just had different orders, but I really not much in the way of movement there in terms of what I think who should be up at the top. Outside of, of course, we talked about this Georgia thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point it's it's preference. The only shift I have is I have actually uh Ohio State at the outside looking in still mm-hmm. at number five. Um, and I have Michigan out uh, mm-hmm. them. them yep. in my top four. So it's mostly the same, and that's pretty consistent for me as well.
0: Yeah, I think we even said last week to, that for me, the Ohio State-Michigan thing was like a preference thing, that, that those two could easily flip-flop mm-hmm. in that four spot. Um, I'll tell you what, we're not talking about them, but we might later, but just in case I miss it. Uh, I don't know that Penn State's good. Just going to throw that out there. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're not. I think their defense is, you know, their defense is clearly the strength. But I, I was not, not, I'm not liking that team that I saw this weekend. Um, so just I'm keeping an eye on that Uh Heisman yeah. House.
1: Get you the same I think slow start syndrome that that Georgia has some degree.
0: Yeah, I just I feel like maybe they covered the spread. They're worth. That's that's always good. I just feel like their ceiling is a little bit lower and off I, they they have unlike Georgia even if okay you beat Ohio State now beat Michigan I don't remember what order it's in but they got to do both mm-hmm. and it's just like mm-hmm. that's uh that's a tough ask I feel like the the plight of Penn State is trying to be on Michigan and Ohio State's level while getting the this is no knock cuz they get really good players but if you're a top player in that area, going Big Ten, you're you're probably going Ohio State or Michigan, and then Penn State. So for Penn State to kind of get what is usually the thirds competing for those two schools is just like that's the the plight of, of Penn State is you gotta yeah. beat, you gotta beat both of them. There are years where Ohio State sometimes doesn't even play Penn State. they obviously always play Michigan, and Michigan same thing with Penn State. Like sometimes they won't even play because it's that weird round-robin-ish, whatever, schedule. So uh, not to do too much Penn State talk, but we'll have
1: a quick theory on that. Can I share it? Yeah, go. My, My quick theory here is that I think I'm at the point now where I believe that Penn State needs a gimmick. I don't believe that Penn State can play their style, which is similar to Michigan and Ohio State, better than those schools mm-hmm. i think penn state's best bet is to actually take these same recruits and to adopt something like an air raid or something niche where they actually have a chance to straight up beat these teams but outside of that i think they're gonna just continue to have a hard time from a talent perspective lining up man to man and beating michigan and ohio state
0: yeah i you know what? that's a good point from a football standpoint They closest they got to it was when Chase McSworley was running around and they were bombing to those receivers that they had that one year. I think they did beat maybe maybe they didn't beat Michigan, but maybe they were they were Rose Bowl team that year. They maybe only lost one time. They almost made the playoff. Um, but yeah, that is a great call from a football standpoint, from a just general branding standpoint, might I suggest changing those boring ass jerseys that you guys love so much. <laughs> I know they love them. I know their tradition. But when you think about what the tradition and who is the most tied person to said tradition, maybe you want to get the hell away from that tradition and start a whole new one. And maybe that's not the worst idea in the world. So you could keep the color scheme, but might I suggest updating those terrible nameless jerseys? And maybe they have names on the back of them now, but just change them. Just new this is jerseys.
1: all free, y'all. Fresh jerseys in the triple option. Just adopt it. Welcome <laughs> just... to ten wins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just try it, but you're not wrong. Like because otherwise, why am I going to Penn State? Like if if I can Penn... lose if on Penn State... television. yeah, if Penn State <laughs> is recruiting me, more than likely. Michigan and Ohio State are as well. And if they aren't, then that is my point, which is they are recruiting yeah. the people yeah. that those other two, two schools aren't. So, yeah, that, that's a good call. Um, there you go. We got some Penn State talking. It's the school that I'm probably am the least interested in. The the best school that I'm probably the least interested in talking about. Uh, Heisman House. We, just, we know what's coming. Yeah. Heisman House. Exactly. The, the end is inevitable. We know what happens to you. Um, Heisman House. We had some movement. We definitely had some movement. We had uh, Cameron Ward is now back outside just because he didn't play. He didn't do shit. He was in the house. It's so
1: unfortunate. He
0: was in the house for a whole week and, you know, it, yeah, it, this team didn't play. Can't do anything about it, but he didn't play, so they they're just like, bro, you gotta get out.
1: But uh, some folks did you, play you know, this weekend you know, and that's, bro, that's the thing. Oh,
0: yeah, no, we'll, t- we'll talk. Uh, so yeah. what happened was he got to leave and I think Shador Sanders is out now. That's no knock. It's just their team is lost. So he's gone. Uh, Bo Nix, who was, you know, chilling on the couch, still gets to chill on the couch. He puts up the numbers he needs to put up every week. Their team looks impressive. But Bo Nix, who was on the couch when he saw Cameron Ward leave, he thought the house was getting less crowded. He thought maybe he was going to get a house. But what happened was, even in a loss, and even getting hit in the most embarrassing way possible – uh, it's probably the worst shot of a potential Heisman candidate. The way he just because it was like a Madden hit stick. Good lord,
1: yeah.
0: Hit, but uh, everything prior to and certainly after that from Young Jaden Daniels, uh, was nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, like you, like we said this over the weekend. He can't play defense. Um, I bet you he'd be pretty good at corner because he's a damn good athlete, but he can't play defense. Uh, He put up, you know, 500-plus total yards and I think five or six touchdowns. So uh, he did everything that he was supposed to do. And again, even at a loss, because if you're – I think we're finally now at the point where people are looking more Heisman at, at not like your team record has to be this flawless thing and then who's the best player because, you know, Caleb Williams last year I think USC had lost two games. Um, and there was even, I think, I forget before that. There, it's usually you're not going to usually lose more than that number, but um, I think if you're just talking about do you deserve to, you know, come to New York and be in this conversation, uh, Jaden Daniels is certainly that. So he got to come and get his own room right downstairs. Uh, and then upstairs, we had a little bit he can of, stay a uh,
1: while, he could, he can move in, he can some stuff
0: uh, on the walls. We'll, we'll see. I, that's the other thing. Like he just he could play not good the next two games, which is why I love this conversation because it truly is a week to week conversation. But you put up performances like that. You put up the performances like that. You, you're in. Because again, last week I would say Michael Penix was about to customize the master bedroom. Uh Caleb Williams is back up in the master bedroom for me at one point uh, in the Colorado game, which we'll talk about. But it was at nine in the goddamn morning local time uh at one point or 10 maybe because was in colorado i'm not sure if it's the three or two hour difference I, I do feel like it's three though so um maybe it's not but they were at one point he had six touchdowns which was the number of incompletions that he had i think yeah, at that at that time he had 300 something yards six touchdowns six incompletions uh ended with a ridiculous stat line i think it's just he is, and playing... there were some
1: also folks saying that he wasn't the best quarterback on the field, which I'm not saying that I agree with, but I look. I Shador, more sh- than one person.
0: Shador played very well, but who are, uh, people saying that should stop saying that. Um sh- Like it's just there's <laughs> there are levels, and I've, I've I will I've said this about Caleb Blake. The most impressive play from that game was an incompletion, and it wasn't his fault. It was a, it was one of the pass breakups in the end zone. It was the RPO. The speed at which he pulled that ball from the running back's chest and threw the fastest ball I've ever seen, without his arm even doing a full motion. It was a side ball, half cocked kind of. Yeah, it's, it's all t- the angles and platforms he throws. Like from he that does, are, that are he he does that. But the speed, this one was just the, I've never seen anyone RPO throw a ball. I've never Patrick Mahomes doesn't do it that fast. It's not a knock. I'm not saying he is, or I'm not even. That is not to say, therefore, he will be better. But it's just the, the speed at which he. Did that is the fastest I've ever seen anyone yeah. like release a football. Aaron Rodgers, maybe the like, cause Aaron Rodgers Gosh. does the fastest release. It was, it was, it was faster than that. Um, but it, yeah, so it's just that there's stuff that he does that is unteachable. Uh, Shador had an amazing that that touchdown that he threw right underneath the D back. Like his, oh my gosh,
1: was that was the best throw I saw this weekend. Shador's, <laughs>
0: Shador's accuracy is is insane, but there's just there are levels. And his supporting yeah. cast is also not nearly as good as Caleb no, Williams. Is. It's not. a lot of complaint so for that matter. What, what happened this week was, you know, Caleb Williams is the Heisman favorite. Michael Penix just moved down a slot. No, no knock. They're going to probably jostle back and forth for that top top room all season. Uh, but what I'm seeing every week from Shador is uh, making me go NFL top 10 top 12 type pick get him on some of these teams he's extremely accurate he makes the right decisions he reads defense as well and quickly like that's you know he makes every throw it does he have the raw crazy natural arm strength of some of these other guys no but does he need it no because he makes better decisions quicker and more on time and I've said that will negate some of that other stuff he also moves within the pocket really well um he's clearly you know it's four you know four five four six 40 type guy so he can move mm-hmm. um so I like what what he does every week is show NFL tape or show you know show NFL Scouts what's going on what they do record wise because they're gonna lose some more it's fine but it's I I'm now seen enough to know it's not going to be because he doesn't play well it's going to be because they don't have the guys and that's fine yeah yeah, um, And Hunter's coming back, I think, next next game as well. Hopefully next and week. And they're also he...
1: through the toughest part of their schedule.
0: Yeah, those two games. Which is, which is a gauntlet. And and they have a couple – you know, they got a couple more. You're going to lose that one. Like, they got to play Washington. Or no, they don't have to play Washington. Who do they have to play? Is it Washington State, I think, they have to play? One they of have, them. They have, I think, Washington State left and Oregon State left, I want to say. Um, they also have
1: Stanford in there. They have some other. Stanford's Cal in winnable. There too. Stanford's yep.
0: winnable. Let me pull up. I'll do we'll do Colorado schedule talk and then we'll move off. Uh, the Arizona State game is winnable. The Stanford game is winnable. UCLA game is is on the road, but I would still say that's winnable. Uh, yeah, they play. It's Oregon State. The toughest, I guess, here's the tough stretch. It's Oregon State. Arizona is a, a pretty good team. Um, I I yeah. They play on the Pac-12 they network. on tough
1: this week. I was impressed. Yeah, they
0: they play on the Pac-12 network, so no one gets to see them play. But I've I've just dug a little bit into their numbers and watched a little bit. They are they're quietly a good team. So they have to play Oregon State at uh, home, Arizona, and then all on the road at Washington and at Utah to end the season. That's really tough. Oof. That's um, a tough stretch too. So so they need to get you know they need to win two or three here to to get that five or six total. You know to make you know Arizona might be win number seven, uh, but yeah, there's there's potentially three or four more losses on the horizon for them. Um, but and I'm going to say this every time we talk about
1: Colorado, they have already exceeded expectations. Yeah, we are. Yeah, you know, they can uh, lose out, and this is a success. This year is a win for them. Off of the uh,
0: money that they've made, the TCU win, contending with. A number eight USC. We know their offense is tough, but coming back in that game was impressive without their best player. And and again, they're going to win. Now, I would say if they lose out, because I've seen enough that lets me know y'all should win some games. I might ask some questions about what happened if it's not yeah, injuries or whatever. But yeah, we we have seen enough. To know that if this is the first and again I, I'm not trying to rain on the Colorado parade I just don't you know Dion's not in here for the long haul but um, I do I do think if this is year one in a, in a process by year three just all they need is slightly bigger linemen and a couple more offensive depth. playmakers just they need
1: some depth on defense.
0: Yeah, depth on defense, I mean, size on the O-line, a couple more better you know, playmakers to throw to. Travis Hunter changes things. So, all right, let's keep it moving. Kings of Florida. They, they won one game last
1: year. They, yep. they, they've the expectations.
0: All right, done with Colorado. Kings of Florida, yep. uh, F, FSU, 4-0 still because they had a buy. Miami had a buy. They're both 4-0. UCF dropped another one, 3-2. Florida dropped another one. Like I said, I'm done with them. Uh I, I wanted to that Charlotte game, I, I I said that was a sleepy game, but if that was actually like an inkling of what we could get moving forward, no not Colorado, uh I mean Kentucky's a good team, but uh Kentucky's shouldn't beat them like Florida, Florida, that, though. They off Florida, Florida didn't, didn't show up. Like Kentucky's a good team, but also where was Florida? Like that, that's the other half of that. Kentucky didn't didn't make it so that Florida should have like Kentucky's not that. Much they're not that. Kentucky is not a whole several touchdowns better than Florida, so that was just a. y'all not
1: watch film? Did y'all not do scouting report at all? Yeah, that you was Davis? So they every week.
0: they got jumped by FAMU, who's four and one. Uh, we'll get to Ray Davis. FIU three and two. Florida, uh, South Florida three and two. FAU one and three. BCU one and three. Kings of Virginia, the great James Madison, five and oh uh, Liberty was on a bye, I Think four zero. William and Mary lost four and one. Hampton beat Richmond, so they're three and one. Richmond falls to two and three. We got ODU at two and Hampton three. Norfolk at two and
1: three.
0: Hampton Richmond. Yeah, Hampton's on. Hampton's uh, Hampton's look good this year. Hampton at three and one, beaten Howard and Richmond. Richmond used to be a
1: subdivision powerhouse. Yeah, I got some yeah. There.
0: Yeah, that was always a game where uh, Richmond. Like they would play occasionally and Hampton would not win. we'll just put it like that uh the, yeah, so they the
1: w- guys had USC transfers and oh yeah, yeah.
0: no they, they would send really people good. they sent a couple of people to the NFL I don't I don't think rich I think Richmond has fallen on some tougher times in terms of the rise of you know like these jmu odu Liberty some of these other schools the that we talk about. State. Um, like yeah, like Virginia now. It, it used to be like I said when I was down there, you know, it's your 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 best players went to Virginia, Virginia Tech, and then. But other than that, you had a lot of other schools with a lot of options, and and Richmond was one of them. But now they're just spread out amongst so many of these schools. Uh, but to wrap it up, Norfolk two uh two and three VMI two and three Richmond two and three Virginia Tech that a boy uh I think they got their second win two and three V Tech uh virginia i they it looked so promising first for so long it always ends the same way and this time tony musket was back so it wasn't even which is a great name by the way um tony musket was back and it wasn't even the true freshman but it ends a lot of their games have ended with the quarterback just throwing this back-breaking interception um as they're in positions to come back or win these games and like i just feel i feel tony elliott looks so happy going into halftime up 21 i think it was 21 10 on the road boston college scrappy team like i just thought this was going to be the moment um so i i looked at their schedule they have to be um i, th- I looked at their schedule and since i've forgotten i think it's william and mary uh they have a home game against bear with me. I'm gonna look this up here. Because we we want this for Virginia so bad.
1: Yeah, they they need to get a win.
0: Here it is. All right, this weekend, and I imagine this is homecoming too. I should have texted my boy and confirmed, but I I I believe this is their homecoming home against undefeated William and Mary or William and Mary lost this week. So a four and one William and Mary team. Uh, Comes to Charlottesville on the ACC Network 12 o'clock this weekend. I believe it's a homecoming game. Um, This is the one. Because after this, they have to go to North Carolina. That's a loss. They have to go to Miami. That's a loss. They have to play Georgia Tech. They can beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's look pretty abysmal at times this year. Uh, At Louisville is a loss versus Duke is a loss. And I think they've beaten Virginia Tech once in the last 19 tries. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that's a loss. Go ahead
1: and, and shut that up.
0: Yeah. So they really need this William and & Mary. And this isn't like your – this isn't your father's William & Mary here. This is a William & Mary that, much like that JMU team, can score 30 points and beat you. So they, this is the one. They have to beat William & Mary. Um, so I I'm going to just – I said I would never let UVA ruin a parlay. I won't. But I'm going to throw a bet on them this weekend – to get this W that they deserve. This is one that they deserve, the team deserves, the community deserves on a homecoming weekend. This is the Gotta moment. Get it done. This is the moment. All right. And Viberment, let's roll into it. This this was actually, this is going to be a quicker segment because uh, it, it I won't say it was a down week, but you know how we talked about last week, each window had several games that were all compelling. I'll say this week, each window had you know one some two but it was uh it was a little sparse a little more sparse um so we had Texas A&M in Jerry World which was, was cool but I would prefer it would have been at either of the actual college sites like I'm just I like the mutual game at the beginning of the season for the kickoff and at the end for a bowl game but the random unless it's like you know red river rivalry or liberty bowl type unless it's one of those types of games world's largest outdoor cocktail party um just <laughs> playing and arkansas and texas a&m ain't that so playing an antiseptic cowboy stadium just is not not it for me i don't like it
1: i think jerry's an arkansas alum so i'm sure has something to do with it too
0: of course yeah jerry's like i think he has a contract with um arkansas that they play a game in his stadium at least once a year i'm not even making that up i really do think that he has that i
1: wouldn't be surprised
0: yeah um but arkansas that was not i'm done with i'm i i I like kj jefferson i i I think maybe the last week or two weeks ago i was like they could. hey they could sneak around and upset somebody no they they cannot (laughs) i just want to be clear no they cannot um and just a slight note to Texas A&M. We're, we're starting to see their talent. Um, we talked um, about – They found a quarterback. We talked about – yeah, we talked about this recruiting class for years. We're finally, you know, starting to see some of that. So, that's cool. Shout out to them for that. Um, but that's all I got from that game. Uh, JMU Southern Alabama. JMU is now, you know, the, uh, the party. In Virginia in terms of like if you're in the state of Virginia and you want to go on a Saturday to tailgate and then watch a game and then go out after that's where I'm going to tell you to go and that I mean for anybody who knows Virginia that's wild that I just said that but it's I mean JMU's always been fun but you would never associate it with that I mean maybe Hampton can can lay claim to that because yeah, yeah Hampton's a great time as well but um, listen to the schools I'm saying that that that's what you want to do. I mean, enter Sandman's great, but Virginia Tech, y'all are entering Sandman a lot and then not winning. So it's not it's not as great when it goes that way. Uh, Penn State, Northwestern. This is why I said I'm not sure that Penn State's good. They spent a lot of time in a competitive game with Northwestern. Do do you respect Northwestern more than me? Maybe because I you know I know they PJ Flecked on PJ Fleck, but. I don't know that Minnesota's good, so therefore I didn't really look at that as much. But uh, Penn State was competitive with Northwestern for a while. Yes, they covered the spread, yeah. but it's Northwestern, damn it. Yeah,
1: that's true of a lot of other teams, but yeah. that's.
0: But they, they, they got it done. And it's a road yeah. game. But I just I don't know. Northwestern, for some reason, I look at it and I'm like, you just that you just need to blow them out like at all anybody at all times playing northwestern y'all just need to blow them out good and early um and it made me think back too to I, I don't know if it's probably still not the case but you remember like probably 10 years ago where northwestern's whole thing was when we played like ohio state and michigan like the fast teams that they just used to grow their grass really really long and not cut it <laughs> and it would that was like you gotta e- find an edge somewhere
1: that was, not gonna be on the field. that
0: was their equalizer. It was like we'll just get big boys up front and run it 40 times a game in this big line and, and just not cut our grass so that any speed advantage that they have on us is negated. Um they should maybe go back to that. It, it looked like the grass had been really low cut. I mean, I I assume it's still grass, not turf. I didn't look super close, but they should go back to that because the height of northwestern football is when their grass was up to people's ankles. Uh, Florida-Kentucky, you you called this one to me over text before the game um, that Kentucky could upset Florida. I agreed. I was like, I think they can, but I don't think that they should. And I still think that, which is why I'm kind of just disgusted with Florida. Um, again, Ray Davis put on a performance for the ages. Um, we had Joe Tess on the call, and in, one, in that 75-yard run, he called him all day Ray, sweet baby Ray, and money, Ray Davis. <laughs> he came up with three. I was like, Oh, he's just doing a Gus Johnson impression. Like, I love Joe Test, but he was running for so long, he's like, All day, Ray, sweet baby Ray, money, day, Ravis. And I was just it like, just... Everyone. Yeah, and I'm like, Are there more? Like, keep going. <laughs> and that was just the first, you know, that was his first big run. Um, he, he for me, will clearly be the performer of the day. I don't know, no, no spoiler alert, but um. Yeah, he he had himself a day. Uh, uh number one from Florida, Pirasol last name had the highlight catch uh, of the year last or of the of the week last week, and he jumped over somebody this week. So I guess that guy's just a walking highlight real. Florida doesn't have much, but number one Pirasol for Florida seems like he's going to do something cool at least once a game. And then yeah. Colorado, Colorado USC, we talked about it. That kickoff time is absolutely sick um but from the jump it was clear colorado had no chance defensively of stopping them um maybe you know they found something in the second half they didn't necessarily stop them but just how easily and how quickly usc got up to that one of those starts just let me know well even with the comeback this this game's over uh fox fox sports ironically the blackest music when they go to commercials, super black, like Swag Surf. They play Gucci Man. They play Gunna. Like
1: they got these, they got these Colorado folks tuning in. They gotta take the captive audience. They're taking the best page out of uh the Kansas City Chiefs playbook.
0: And I would think it would just be them. And I guess maybe I. Oh yeah, I don't want to talk about her. I think it would just be them. <laughs> but um.
1: I took the bitch but, you didn't take it.
0: But I, 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 they were doing it even like I just have noticed. It's like, yeah, Fox Sports. What's hmm. it's so whoever is on the soundboard, they know what they're doing. Um, all right, this is the segment I call "Indulge Me," where I talk about one other sport for the day. Indulge me, if you will. I got Premier League soccer for you. Crazy results, okay. crazy, crazy results. All right, man, Man City lost to the Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, they are not a, a a top Premier League team. Man City very much is. I'm a Man City fan, so we took the loss. It's all good. We'll bounce back. Uh, actually, the Premier League, Champions League, uh, kicks off in an hour here, here on, on Tuesday recording. Uh, Luton Town, which is a first year they're in the Premier League, is this year. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the relegation system. With how that works. I'm assuming these are
1: all real places because I haven't heard of any of these places.
0: Yes. Luton Luton Town is indeed a real place somewhere over there (laughs) in the Londons. Uh, They were a so basically relegation is uh, think of it as there's divisions. Right. And uh, if you are one of the worst teams in your division, you are relegated to the division below you. Uh, If you are one of the top two or three teams or whatever in your division, you can move up. To uh, you know, you can move up to the league above you, and the Premier League is like top league. And There are a bunch of other leagues below it championship, league one, league two, whatever. So, Luton Town was like one of the bottom leagues. They've never been in the Premier League before, they made it this year. They got their first Premier League win ever. Shout out, Luton Town, uh, Crystal wow, Palace, Luton Town, yeah, shout out, Luton Town, Crystal Palace, also a team and a place. Uh, there it's somewhere in West london i believe uh this is where gabby's dad is from you know gabby's dad Ah, is, okay is, connections is, connections. Is, this is yeah he is british so this is his childhood because how they do it over there is very much imagine our college football but on steroids right wherever you are born that is your team so your team. Yeah, at every neighborhood every district like they all have some of the clubs are much bigger some are smaller but like every team every neighborhood has their team and that is For life, so Crystal Palace that's his squad. They beat Manchester United, which I know you've heard of them, one of the biggest soccer uh, clubs in the world. So they beat them. That was a crazy upset. The Liverpool Spurs game was absolutely crazy. Liverpool was down two men and they barely won. They took an own goal in the 96th minute. So there was some VAR controversy. Uh, Spurs, a team that is equivalent to the Knicks in that they are very historic, but they never win anything ever, uh, found a way to lose with a two-man advantage. It was very Spurs-like. Teams um, like the
1: Knicks always yeah, do.
0: exactly. So, yeah, the, I one once I, you know, a couple, what, like 10, 12 years ago when I was kind of getting in the Premier League, I, I realized... There, there was like some. There was a video out that like Americanized which teams are kind of like which teams fan base, and yeah, that was. I was like, oh, I can, I yeah, that's Knicks. I see Oh, I, 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 I got, I like, got that reference. Oh, I know yep, them. Yep yep, 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 I know that team. So yeah, they're the Knicks of the Premier League. So I'm sorry, Tottenham. Um, but that was all I got there. That that's that's the indulge me other sport of the moment that 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 went on right around the twelve o'clock window. So that's. Sometimes conflicts with the uh college football. Um, all right, let's just run through these next. The next window, three o'clock. We talked a little Georgia Auburn. I don't know if there's anything really to add other than triple team Brock Bowers, whenever you can, and um, Georgia can be gotten. We'll see if Kentucky, maybe Missouri, maybe Ole Miss can do it uh but but we've seen some chinks in the armor. I'll put it like that.
1: I think the only thing to add about that game is just how unstoppable Brock Bowers is and also how one dimensional Georgia's offense is. when they need to score those final two drives, they simply threw it to Brock Bowers. yep, almost every possession. and Auburn couldn't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, some of that was just awful uh, scheme schematically. That he ran a ten yard dig route and no one covered it, and that yeah, he was was open for some of those. Like yeah, it wasn't even from the seam or from tight end. He was just split out wide as the X and just ran a a dig and against what looked like a shell cover two and just completely unguarded. I was like, first of all, you can't run that coverage when all they're doing is throwing to Brock Bowers. Second of all, if you're going to how is everyone not keyed in on at least account for him? Which which part of the zone is Brock Bowers running to. But anyway, um, yeah, I if if you could take Brock Bowers, that's a big if very much easier said than done, but if you can effectively like make them go, if you could effectively <laughs> you can make them go somewhere else, yeah, yo, you stand somewhat of a chance. Uh Tuskegee, Alabama State. HBCU game of the week. Um WLNY is my local broadcast that does these games. It was AM's homecoming. They won something like 56 to 3 over Tuskegee. I'm so sorry. Um every like every time I looked at the screen, another player in the crowd, the championship belt, homecoming crown kings, just hyping uh, the crowd up, sideline having a party. Like it was more a party then it was a football game to the point where I feel like Tuskegee had to have been demoralized just by the time the third quarter was halfway through because yeah, you at, al- they're out there trying to like compete in a football game. And Alabama AM is at a club and also whooping your ass. It's just, it was, it was something to behold for sure. Um, The band, what did we get at halftime? That We got the Alabama band. They didn't show me. Enough. Oh, it was poison uh, BBD. They gave us a little BBD poison. For the broadcast so that's what's up um i mentioned this already but baylor came back they're not terrible shout out you baylor uh boise state memphis color pop game of the week boise state with the orange pants memphis with the tiger stripe blue joints with the silver helmets i love that vibe um they recognize D'Angelo williams over at memphis uh Shout out to D'Angelo legend. Williams, legend. Shout out to you, D'Angelo Williams. He is still the sixth leading rusher in FBS history. Um, so that should just let you know that was what two thousand six. That yeah, that, that was, should just that should just let you bad. know how dominant he was at Memphis, and that was before I think people realized. Wait, guys from these small schools can be like some of the best players in the country. Period. Because that was shortly after. um who was a small school killer right before D'Angelo? It was, uh,
1: like Ryan Moats or somebody. or Sam at Louisiana
0: Yeah. Tech. Yeah. And then there was a about. receiver too. There was also a receiver at Louisiana tech who had like 120 something catches. He still might have the record for like catches in a season. And he, he played in the NFL. I, I'll, I'm going to, this name's going to kill me, but yeah, basically it just shout out to you, D'Angelo Williams. Like that's incredible. Um, What else we had? We had Kansas and Texas really let everyone down. Uh, I I got nothing else to say for you, Jalen. The Texas Tech Houston game, I called that just the John Wick game of two schools shooting each other back and forth because neither one of Texas Tech nor Houston is playing defense. So that was just I get the ball, I score, you get the ball, you score back and forth. It was I think a 48 to 28 something game before it got out of hand, but it was a it was just fun back and forth. No defense required. Leave your defense at home game. Uh, Marshall over VCU. Sunbelt game. Top of the top of the Sunbelt game. Um, game was literally an explosive game. Marshall shoots off fireworks from the roof of their little facility whenever <laughs> they score a touchdown. Yeah, a there, were, there were a lot of... Yeah, that was, it's very West Virginia indeed. There were a lot of points, a lot of back and forth. Them, ODU, uh, Marshall... Had a mid third quarter fire, like I said, mid third quarter fireworks go off for the touchdown. There's a pick six. Uh, Marshall got the victory though. They're a really good team. Um, they're playing NC State next week. NC State's a really good defense, scrappy team. Don't don't sleep. Marshall might come through, and no, Marshall no, might come through. This is that whole ACC Sun Belt rivalry I keep talking about. Like I, I I'm riding with the Sun on that one every time. Um, Ignore the Sun at your peril. Yeah, just keep an eye on it. Uh, six to eight o'clock window, uh, Troy, Georgia. That's just more, more Sunbelt talk. We're the home of the Sunbelt, this podcast. Uh, and that was also where I saw Biff Pogie in this window against SMU. They did lose, but shout out to you, Biff Pogie. Also shout out to Hugh Jackson at Grambling State. They got the W over Prairie View. Um, so he's two and two. I know we were covering the, uh, HBCUs a lot Heavier last year when Dion was there, general media. But, you know, Hugh Jackson is obviously not Dion Sanders, but former NFL coach, he's over there. Eddie George is also uh, coaching. So, you know, just want right. to, we, we could show them love as well, just shouting them out. Uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a really, I, I said this earlier when we were talking stocks too, whenever we look at our stocks. Uh, I really like the Oklahoma of it all. If they get past Texas; their path to the playoffs is pretty clear. Like,
1: I'm say, uh, are they for real?
0: Uh, they look like it. Uh, this Texas game is obviously the test, Red River rivalry. But after that, they got a home UFC. They got a at Kansas, where Jalen Daniels will not play because it's Oklahoma. They got a <laughs> at Oklahoma State, um, which I don't. It it Oklahoma State don't really it don't really look like it this year. Um West Virginia put up a decent fight against the TCU team which they have to play both of those teams at BYU, but Oklahoma's got a pretty favorable schedule. Um so this is this is the test for them this weekend. Yeah, we'll
1: see how we'll see what they have. We'll
0: see how good they are. Yep. Uh Georgia Southern over Coastal Carolina. Coastal really needed this game to right the ship. They did not get it. Uh Grayson McCall, he he hasn't looked right. He has not looked right. Grayson McCall just hasn't found it. Um, for, for He's just for... been
1: in school for so long. i just he... tired <laughs> to go on and do
0: something else. It's, it's just not looking like he had it last year. I I went down and actually watched. He's tired watched... Of
1: general science. tired I... of cafeteria food. I'm over
0: it. He just needs to move on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um. am I... I'm I'm willing to accept that that's what it is. Maybe they just need a young, fresh backup to step in. Somebody who's only seen a couple of semesters of this stuff to just with a fresh perspective to reinvigorate the team. Grayson McCall is worried about just old man things. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee. This was the payback game of the century. <laughs> uh tennessee spent a whole season remembering that south carolina kind of ruined their whole playoff thing last year um they would have very much been in the conversation with one loss and then south carolina came in toward the end of the season and absolutely ruined Mm -hmm. it uh so this was a game that they had circled for a while they got the victory um i think this was the tennessee super bowl like any game from here on out that you expect maybe tennessee will beat someone i don't think they will i think that they expended all their emotion on beating south carolina um so just mark that down any big game coming up for tennessee pick the other team uh south carolina uh north carolina no notre dame duke sorry Biggest game in Duke history. I'm surprised we went this long without talking about it. Um, Biggest game in Duke history, for sure. Uh, What Mike Alco has done at Duke is incredible. Mm -hmm. And he is being mentioned for some of these jobs. I would advise him to consider them. Because as awesome as things are going at Duke, (laughs) it's Duke
1: take take them now.
0: I've said this about a Matt Campbell. I've said this about a Derek, David Shaw. I've said this about a great number of coaches, but it is Duke. And if you have an opportunity to go to any of these powerful more money spending bigger endowment type of situations, you take your ass over there. All right. So I'm just going to say that now, but uh, Notre Dame Michigan
1: State's right there waiting on you. Yep.
0: Michigan State's the top of the list. They're like that that's the one. That's the team that wants him. That's the the name that's being linked. I would do that, but well, yeah, you know, we'll see. Uh, Notre Dame that was impressive because it's an emotional turnaround after the the loss last week. Uh, to go on the road, that is, uh, you know, it's a freshly new created environment. Duke has never had that type of environment for a football game before, but they created one. Uh, so Notre Dame went in there, got it done. Um, Riley Leonard get get well hopefully they said he yeah. might get get healthier or that it might not be as bad as it looked it certainly looked bad at first i felt felt for the kid um but yeah you know, good job by notre dame keep the ship right on course like i would still say they they control you know what happens to them moving forward if they can win out um they got you know some tough challenges still but like if they they hold it down we said this was the stretch this you got louisville you got usc like but, you know, this this is the stretch for them. Uh, Sam, and also, Sam Hartman owns Duke. Yeah, he but just, get to that next. He, he just wanted to remind Duke, like, you know, Wake Forest still. I, I owned you at Wake Forest. I own you now. Uh, this is this is just what Sam Hartman does. So, that was
1: – We've been talking about him being the difference maker. I think this is – this game we saw, like, the difference of somebody like Sam Hartman. Previous years they would have lost that game. But having yeah. a quarterback that can take command of the offense – drive down the field during crunch time and get a score
0: yeah That's what and he and he didn't have a touchdown right because he didn't throw one but they you know they ran the final one in but what he also didn't do is turn the ball over but like you said he drove the ball down the field he completed the bat like he manned he 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 manned the he did, drive. What to do? yeah he manned the he drive clock, he took care of the ball the yes mm-hmm. he he did like and those are the things that we, like when I talked about even before the season of why I think the floor of Notre Dame gets raised like like we could talk about their ceiling, but the floor gets raised. And that's the perfect example of that. Having the quarterback that is not phased at all in those situations and puts you in the position where, look, our offensive line is amazing. Eventually we're going to hit a run. Boom. 35 yards game winner. Um, So, yeah, just. Great game for them. Ships right back on course. I uh, did also want to point out Al Blades Jr. Since I talked about Al Blades a couple uh, you know, episodes ago, whenever it was, uh, he plays for Duke now. He transferred from Miami. Um, so that's just a wild thing to consider that the son of Miami royalty decided to come play football at Duke, left Miami to come play football at Duke. So that's, well, I mean, Miami's still that's good. I mean Miami I look I you know I actually bought some Miami stock I I their schedule pretty favorable uh but it did say that the the whole Mario Cristobal only likes a certain type of guy narrative like that's they're not just talking about how they play football type of guy there's a a personality type there as well so you know maybe maybe Oblades Jr. is speculative maybe he didn't fit that uh but you know whatever uh, LSU, Mississippi, really, 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 really fun game. Um, last week, the last thing we said on the final end of the podcast, you said Ole Miss was going to get somebody, and I tried to pin you down. I said, it, is it going to be LSU this week? Because out, because outside of that, I don't really – this is kind of the one that they have to get. I don't really see them getting another one. And uh, sure enough, you know, it was a shootout. It was another defense optional type of game. Um, RG three in like the span of five minutes. I'm kind of obsessed with RG three on calls now because he's so intentionally corny, but he loves it. RG three in the span of five minutes gave you a, his key. One of his keys to the game was pushing Pete. The TV was on mute,
1: <laughs> so I
0: don't know like how he like how he played off of that to actually make a point. But with the TV on mute to start, I just saw pushing P as a, as a key to the game. Uh, because these
1: white collar executives don't know what that means, exactly. So he, gets a, he gets a pass, so he's
0: like pushing P. Um, the running back's name for uh, I think Ole Miss is Bentley. So at one point, he said, Throw some 24s on that bad boy because he's you know Bentley, but 24s it just good, it was mean. it was, good, it, was it was unnecessary. Um, he also hit us with the He's a Sunday type of guy, meaning like he, he plays on Sunday, and I'm not talking about ice cream. Um, so RG3 just I, – I love it. Keep keep it coming. Keep, just like keep doing that. Keep being yourself. Keep saying those things. We need more of it. Um, Ole Miss set the stadium attendance record. It was like 68, 69,000 people. So that was – it showed. It was loud. Um, they had the Eli Manning 2001 – seven overtime against Arkansas Ole Miss team in the house. Um so they got a, a shout out. But um yeah Miss's offense it's uh it's a problem.
1: It, it is. is and LSU's defense is also bad and it's finally time to talk about it and call it out but they have in my opinion, three or four NFL players on that defensive roster at least and they're I don't know if it's scheme, I don't know if it's effort, but what they're doing on a week-to-week basis now is troublesome and they're actually playing way beneath their potential as a yeah. team.
0: Yeah. They um, need to figure that out quickly. I saw, you know I saw some missed tackles, and I don't want not, to, I'm not calling anybody soft, but I did see a lack of physicality from old uh from LSU on a lot of the bigger play. Like there were a lot of you know, quick screens and you know outside run toss where it's like I, I'm watching LSU defenders I'm like get off the block what are you doing like you know you don't have to let him block you right like it was just almost like when they were they uh, blocked there's like oh well that's I guess that's that I guess he blocked me like as opposed to get you know get off the block. I just saw it was enough times that I saw it that I was like what that's that's a mentality, right? That's, that's yeah, and they're co- good enough coaching. not to do that. Yeah, that's a coaching thing. That's a mentality thing, like that. You you have the ability, you have the athletes, you have that. To me, is speaks more to an effort mentality, coaching type of thing. So I'm not indicting Brian Kelly yet, though I'm sure LSU fans cannot wait to do so. But um it that that seemed more like a coaching. Thing and that, I say that because I saw what the LSU, what the the FSU game looked like too, and I come remember on. I remember thinking the same thing. And it's like, are you when is if you're punched in the mouth, is that kind of it? Like you know, for the teams that are on your level and come out and okay, we can score two, we can block you two, we can hit two. Like, is that is that the? Are, because if that if that's the case then there's more losses to come because there's more you got to play more of these teams that aren't you know afraid of LSU or aren't outmanned by what LSU has on the field so
1: and it's troubling because LSU is not going to be playing any team that is on paper more talented than they are
0: yeah i mean roster. outside of alabama
1: maybe I, right that's
0: like yeah the, the 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 only ranked team left is missouri at 21 um you're playing Auburn and Army, the the sleeper Georgia State game. I mentioned Texas A&M's got a lot of talent. We'll see what they look like by the end of the year, but yeah, um, it's 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 concerning uh, for sure, um, especially if you put this if you put that this defensive performance and if you recall the defensive performance from the Florida State game and put those two together as body of evidence it's concerning. Uh, all right, late night. Late night was really, 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 really light. We had Washington and Arizona on the Pac-12 network that no one could see, but I kept following the score, and Washington did what Washington does. But also, Arizona is good.
1: They fought. Uh, Arizona fought.
0: Yeah, Arizona's a good team. So I look forward to maybe them one day playing on a network that we can all watch. Uh, Fresno State versus Nevada. Mikey Keynes, I've talked about him. He leads a very fun Fresno State team uh, and a very fun offense. Nevada's on is winless, so they really needed one. Uh, didn't get it, but they needed it. And Bama at Mississippi State, the Cowbell game of the week at night. Um, Alabama kind of took the Cowbells out of the game really early. So, shout out to you, Alabama. Uh, it was it was a game for a minute there. Um, and I also – nighttime SEC games is outside. I know it was a time difference, so it was like 8 o'clock because it was 9 o'clock on the East Coast. It's probably 8 o'clock in Mississippi. Um, outside of LSU, I have a theory that the nighttime – so, not like the 3.30 that goes into the night, but the nighttime – they, they go too hard at the tailgates and so the oh, yeah. ener- it's a, it's a all day event. the energy in the stadium though sometimes reflects like we have used some of our energy throughout this day already and unless the team is just like providing touchdown touchdown stops and like things to get hype about the crowd like I the Mississippi State crowd at no point was I ever really like you know, this is a ruckus environment that Alabama is going to have to fight through. And again, maybe Alabama, you know, they got up, I think it was 14 early. So they kind of like, like what I said, you got to do against those damn cowbells, like go up early and just stop that because no one wants to ring a cowbell when you're losing, because then it's just loud and you're annoying yourself at that point. If it's not working against the other team, they'll stop doing it. Cowbells got a lot quieter. The environment got a lot less ruckus and uh, Alabama, you know, took control of that game. So Similarly, like I said with Georgia, Alabama might not be what they've been in the past, but it's there for them. Um, The toughest challenge, depending on how you see it, is either LSU or um, Tennessee. They're both at home. I think it's LSU, but again, we just talked about their defense. So, you know, even as Alabama struggles on offense – how confident should LSU be that they could stop, you know, Alabama? Yeah. So yeah.
1: Mississippi the environment piece is somewhat a bit of their own success. We just – we know what they're capable of. Yeah. From a crowd perspective. So, we don't see it against a front like Alabama. It is disappointing.
0: Yeah. I just – I. I i just didn't get it it didn't it didn't give it to us and it was the only real late night game that was like competitive i was on espn plus with the sacramento state portlands of the world but um yeah uh all right game of the day here's the uh candidates you got the utah state at uconn for the sicko bowl game of the day you just playing for like i'm not the worst you're the worst uh, it turns out UConn is the worst they lost on uh they came back scored a touchdown with no time left and then got the extra point blocked uh, to lose so UConn really oh, is so the worst. Jim Moore
1: had turned a corner I guess not
0: nope 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 Jim Moore keep keep at it uh keep at it but nah, UConn currently the worst uh ODU at Marshall like I said fireworks explosive fun ass game Baylor at USC, uh, UCF, sorry, the Baylor comeback was really good, and they kind of needed that to just keep their season alive. Like if Baylor yep. had lost another one, it, it's just a different type of season. But they they were right kind of in it, so to speak, Big 12. Uh, Boise State at Memphis, very well-played game, very close game. Uh, Boise State lost again. Memphis is a really good team. Uh, I've never – can't remember the last time a Boise State team lost this many games. You know, they might, like I said, usually win the Pac-12 opener or one of these power teams. But yeah, they've uh they've fallen on for them some hard times. So bounce back, yeah. Boise State. But Memphis uh is a is a solid team, fun to watch. Uh LSU at Mississippi was the was a game of the uh game of the day for me for sure. Uh Louisiana Monroe versus App State was fun. App State won the game on a walk-off kickoff. But LSU-Mississippi, just the back and forth, the Jalen Daniels playing amazing, the Mississippi offense, all that. Um. All right, let's wrap quick. I'm going to skip play of the day. There were a lot of them. I also realize it's, it's tough to, dispo- to describe a visual segment, so I'll skip it. Performance of the day, but there are a lot of good plays. A lot of good catches. Performance of the day, we said it. Ray Davis for me is the yep. answer. Um Caleb Williams had he a see really the only
1: game. I guess we talked about Brower. Is he the only non quarterback? Are they the only non quarterback housing candidates at this point?
0: Yeah, to me, like I if if and we said like if you had to have a separate race, Brock Bowers, Ray Davis, um, I'll think hard if there are some others, but those would be like your two top non quarterback contenders for sure um ray davis 26 yeah. 26 carries 280 yards three touchdowns 10 yards per touch it's insane kentucky's offensive line's good but ray davis is also really good um and yeah Jaden daniels 513 five touchdowns uh preview next week game of the week easy red river rivalry don't no questions asked now, two years ago, Oklahoma, or maybe just last year, Oklahoma sucked, and they ruined it for everyone. Texas beat the brakes off of them. I don't think that happens this year. I think we get an actual game this year. So that's always the game of the week. Uh, sleeper game of the week, Marshall, I mentioned it, Marshall at NC State, or Fresno at Wyoming. I'd like Fresno to run the table. Uh, this could be, you know, at Wyoming. That will be interesting. At Wyoming is a tough place to play. Wyoming would be uh, could be a trip-up game. Uh, and then a vibrant game. Give me LSU bouncing back, going to Missouri. Now, obviously, the environment at the Red River Rivalry, the environment there—it's Texas State Bears. It's crazy, but I can't make the same game two different categories. So the environment goes to Missouri hosting LSU for the Battle of the Real Tigers.
1: If LSU loses to Missouri, though, we call her Brian Kelly's job.
0: Yeah, that would probably do it. I was going to say that that would probably do it. Um, all right, real quick on the stock game, I'm making money. You're not making money, and I'll tell no. you, it's it was it's, it was the LSU stock, that's the one that has plummeted. Um, Wazoo's been fine. Notre Dame's bounced back. USC actually has grown for you, and then for me, um, you yeah, know everything is either held or grown. I had a couple teams on a buy, like Wazoo, Miami were on buys. Uh, I'm going to hold off on, but I don't really have anything to buy. Louisville is ranked now. We we mentioned that. We wanted Louisville to get ranked. They're 25 yep. now, and they're playing Notre Dame this week. So Their first
1: real test probably soon.
0: Yeah, this I was going to say, this is a prove-it game for Louisville. Um, just like Maryland's getting a prove-it game against Ohio State this week, too. Um, I almost wanted to make that the sleeper. Uh, this would be, uh, are you for real, Ohio, uh, Maryland, and are you for real, Louisville? Because those have been some yep. strong, strong ACC teams. So this will say a lot about that, and thus the strength of the ACC. Um, so we'll end on that. We, we we're going to learn a couple things about some unbeaten's that haven't been tested yet, so to speak, and a couple teams that cannot afford to lose any more, headlined by LSU. Um, I don't think they're going to lose to Missouri, but like you said, if they do, people will be loudly calling for Brian Kelly's job. They're quietly whispering it now, but it will become loud screams soon.
1: Yeah. Now we're going to be talking about, is that you playing for the Alamo bowl or something? That's mm-hmm. not going to be enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Because they still can come out of the SEC West, theoretically. All right, Like, in theory yeah
1: and that requires them playing a different level of football than what we've seen correct right like we are not that we haven't seen that they're capable of it
0: but with just the one loss should they run the table including beating Alabama unless old Miss also runs the table they stood could still get back there I do want yeah. to see them play Georgia like that was when I thought about Georgia losing before this week lSU was the team I thought about but now it made me rethink that whole thing so we'll end on that. Um, week six, it'll be fun. River of rivalry. We'll learn about Oklahoma. I think we already know Texas is good. Let's learn about Oklahoma. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, if you're playing a Sunbelt team, I apologize. Watch out. I'm sorry. Your season might be ruined. Peace out, y'all.
1: All right, y'all. Till next
0: week.